When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always, always use your head. You are now listening to Chairshot Radio. Always use your head. Folks, we have the honor, privilege, and pleasure of being joined tonight by self-proclaimed pro wrestler, entertainer, and speaker. He's also the host of his own podcast called Nothing to Prove. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and show your love for legit badass, the one, the only, Mr. Dom Vitale. Dom. Thanks, guys. That was... uh... That's the way to put someone over. (laughs) Thank you. That is is what Christopher Platt does. Right. There's a reason... There's a reason why when people listen to this back that that Platt records the the, the chairshot.com commercials. That's there's a reason why we why we did that. So he yeah. obviously knows what he's doing. <laughs> Brother, yeah. I'm I'm the AJ Styles of chair, chair shot, man. Not only am I immensely talented, I'm also good at putting everybody else over as well. There you go. That's important. <laughs> we call him the, we call him the MVP. He is the MVP. He's got two names. You also call him Mr. Velvet Pipes for the same reason. So That's right. It all works out. The, but, the initials, you know, the initials line up. MVP, Mister right. Pipes. Velvet. Nice. Uh, so, Dom, how you doing, brother? I am doing good. Life is good. Uh, it's very seldom that I complain about living and, and waking up every day. So, I'm, I'm, I'm living. It, it's funny that you'd ask Dom that question because we're going to get into that and why Dom would say that, and we'll, we'll get there. But Dom, I, I want you know, and and full disclosure, which I'm a big believer in. I've known Dom for 10 plus years, and and so in doing an interview with Dom, for me, is completely different because I have an affinity for Dom that, you know, I I wouldn't even be able to put into words knowing what I know, and and I've spent the time and the conversations and everything, but Dom and his views on wrestling are just fantastic, and we'll get there, but I want people to understand, like, 
Because if they haven't heard of you, like like you're going on, you know, you're you're way closer to twenty years than ten years or fifteen years in this business. Like, take people back. Like, what? Like, when you became a wrestler, like, what was that like for you, going through training that that way twenty years ago or almost twenty years ago? Yeah. So I my training started in December of two thousand and one. So I was six months removed from my high school graduation, um, but I had been trying to get into training for months at that point. Um, you know, I used to go to the local independent shows and I kind of figured out, well, you know, there's wrestling schools and I got to figure out where it is and who's in charge and how to get there. Um, so, you know, for months I tried to beat down the doors and, and you know, in a different way, trying to befriend some of the, the indie guys that I knew or not knew, but knew kind of where they worked. So I actually, um, I went out of my way to get a job where one of the indie guys worked so I could befriend him to try to coax him into letting me go to the wrestling school with him and kind of get prior information out of him. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of what happened. You know, we developed a friendship and he just kind of kept giving me the brush off. I kept asking him to take me to the wrestling school. Let me try it. I mean, you know, I love it. I, you know, I just want to be a part of it. And, I, and he kept saying, nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that until eventually, you know, I, I think he just couldn't take the constant, you know, uh, annoyance of me for too much longer. <laughs> and he agreed to, to bring me down to the school to have a look. Um, and, you know, long story short, you know, it got the shit kicked out of me. I'm oh, sorry. I don't know if I could, I could swear on here. Oh, fuck um, yeah. But all right, good. <laughs> fuck it, man. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck that shit. <laughs> but uh, got the shit kicked out of me for a good, I don't know, six weeks or so. And just kept coming back, coming back, being like the tackling dummy for the most part. And then eventually like, okay, we'll, we'll teach you stuff now. And I had thought I was learning stuff up until that point. But they were just kind of testing me to some degree to see if I'd actually stick around before they really gave me the good stuff. So, so it kind of sounds like wrestling was pretty much your your plan all along. I mean, did did you have any other plans, like in high school or anything, like anything else you were gonna do, or was it just you were ready? You were hell bent on being a wrestler. Um, you know, there was if there was one thing I knew that I wanted to do in life, it was wrestling to some capacity. Uh, honestly, I didn't think I would ever make it. You know like big or whatever you want to call it because you know when i graduated high school i was 140 145 pounds um skin and bones and i never i never even stepped foot inside of a gym um you know for the first 18 years of my life so i knew like you know the odds were against me because i grew up in that era when you know you know it was uh, all giants pretty much and then towards the end there like my, my high school years that's when we started seeing the cruiserweights really come to to, you know the public light where everyone could see them and i thought maybe that was going to be my niche the cruiserweight stuff because i was so small um but i was always generally like a pretty smart kid um very logically thinking for the most part and i knew okay well the odds are against me i gotta have some type of backup plan um so you know it took me a couple years to figure that out and i ended up going to college and stuff like that while i was wrestling um just to have a contingency plan um but from day one, I, I just knew, you know, I, I just wanted to be involved in wrestling to some capacity. So growing up in upstate New York, I'm assuming you were a WWE guy or F at the time. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was my earliest, um, you know, earliest recollection, recollection of wrestling, watching it with my dad and my uncle. Um, my, my dad was a Macho Man guy and I was a Hulk Hogan guy. Um, and nice. that was my, my hero growing up. And WWF is all I knew, you know. I would hear like the name Ric Flair around and I would hear who Sting was and Dusty Rhodes, but I really didn't know who they were until 
you know, Dusty and Flair came to WWF, but I knew they, their name held some kind of weight. I just didn't know what it was because um, I just solely seeked out WWF. That was my life until, you know, you reach 13, 14 years old. And I re- discovered this thing called ECW, which completely consumed me in a whole different you know manner being a little bit older now and, and you know discovering this completely different style um, of, of pro wrestling which I absolutely fell in love with um, and those were those were my two big things but as I got more consumed with wrestling in the attitude era I started you know trying to, to study more of the history of wrestling and what I wasn't exposed to so you know things like you know WCW the NWA uh, Mexico, Japan wrestling, you know, world class, AWA, all that stuff. I was a student from the very, very, like, what, the, the internet came out at a very good time for me. And I was the, I was probably one of the original internet marks, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, to truth be told, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, you know, late 90s, uh, they had wrestling hotlines, you know, 800 numbers you call oh, sure. to get your your gossip i fucking ran one of those things with my friends i was a super mark you know um and, and but in order to be that you got to study the game and that's what i did like the internet was a great thing for me um and it, it exposed me to, to so much different wrestling that i never even watched before that's funny you say that man i used to love those things but unfortunately i was never able to get my parents permission to call it <laughs> so <laughs> 30, yeah, mine was all under the radar you know 30 yeah. cents a minute or whatever At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Awesome. So you talked about, you know, studying and you not too long ago, um, and, and I wanted to get in the fact that you do some training later, but it's, it's appropriate now. You, you put out on social media about a student not knowing who Ricky Morton was. And, mm-hmm. and, and just talk about like the importance of knowing what all this came from and, and how it impacts you as a performer when you're actually in the ring. Yeah, you know, that was a real eye-opening experience for me to, to come to this realization that uh, you know, the kids that are coming in now are so much more different than they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, when I broke in, it was, you know, 
it was hammered into my head. You know, you need to study these guys that are out in that, but you also need to study these guys from the past because without the past, we, you know, we're not here. Um, and just to hear that, you know, these some, a lot of it, it's not just one kid. It's a lot of these newer students just have no idea who some of the most important uh, figures in our sport are from the past. Um, and, you know, and there's this argument where, where people are like, oh, you can't blame them because there's so much history that they have to study up on. But I, to me, I don't get that because if I'm coming into it to, to wrestling or baseball or football or whatever, I'm going to do everything within my power to know as much about that as I possibly can. So when I do show up, I don't seem like a fucking buffoon. Um, and it's not just knowing the history and the lineage of, of where we come from. You know, I was talking with someone the other day, and it, it's so strange to me that, you know, I'll, I'll run the class and I'll get new students coming in and they look like complete shit. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It just literally looks like they, they just walked off the street and they're like, oh, pro wrestling. That seems so cool. I want to do that. And I think I'll just try to do that. But where if you have someone that's, you know, trying to make an NFL team or an NBA team, you know, there's a lot of back work that gets put into that before they show up to camp or tryout or whatever. And it's not the same with wrestling. It's just I think the barriers of entry to wrestling are so diminished these days that just anyone thinks that they can come in with with zero, zero sensibility, zero knowledge of what they're doing. Um, which to me just just blows me away. And we, we actually we had a girl, a new student in the class last night. It was her second night there, and I, and I asked her, and I asked all the new students, but particularly the girls, because I don't, I just don't know why girls want to do this, you know, get beat up. And I asked her, so what are you doing here? And she goes, I, she goes, I just, I loved wrestling ever since I saw it, and it was, I, I was sheltered from it for all of my life, and I didn't see my first wrestling match until three months ago. And I, I said, so. What, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? And she goes, Survivor Series this past year. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and that, yeah, that blew my mind. I, and, I'm not, and again, nothing against her. It's great that she found something that, you know, strikes an interest in her. But I, it just floored me that people, just, you know, oh, wrestling, cool. It's on TV, Total Divas. I want to go do that. Where, again, if we rewind the clock, man, it just wasn't that easy back in the day. You really had to earn your way into this business. And, and show those guys and those girls that came before you that sacrificed so much why you even deserve to get uh, you know in the ring with them or, or let alone get the privilege to be trained by them. Well, and it's a sport yeah, just like everything else. You know, yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, back in the day, okay, some of those guys like way back when, you know, who basically a lot of these sports were just a half of a job for them for like a summer. And nowadays, the, all these athletes, they train year round. It's, it's you have to have the discipline and and that and wrestling is just like any other sport just like basketball just like football you have to train your ass off it's not just you go in there and fall down a few times there's it's it's a huge sport yeah and i, and I think that's misconstrued or misunderstood by a lot of the fans these days that are not, not all not necessarily the fans i shouldn't say that but a lot of the people that want to enter wrestling you know they just see the glitz and the glamour and the fun that everyone's having or so they think um, you know, but they don't get that, you know, the toll that it takes on your body when you start. They don't get the preparation you need to put your body through to make sure that you don't kill somebody or kill yourself. Because that's a that's an inherent risk that a lot of people don't really think about. But anytime you go out there, whether it's in training or in a match, there is a chance you can seriously hurt yourself or someone else. And part of 
being able to protect others and yourself from that is being in, in the best physical shape you can possibly be. So when I see, you know, a 450 pound guy out of shape to telling me how he's going to come to the wrestling school and, and, and you know, and, uh, you know, show me how it's done. I welcome them with open arms and I, and I take them through a workout and it's not one of those, you know, um, old WCW power plant workouts where they're trying to murder somebody. It's a basic workout that all of us have to be able to do and to see them completely struggle through it, you know, mo more times than not, it's an eye-opening experience for them where they, where they don't come back. Um, you know, in, in my class, I have, you know, my return attendance for newcomers isn't the best. Um, but I just, I don't want anyone to have the shortcut. I want people to be fully aware of what they're getting into. And I don't want to set up any false expectations. It's funny, Dom, because I'm fascinated by the whole training process in, in becoming a professional wrestler. Because the way I always envisioned it is you're basically just sitting up there getting your ass beat until your body calluses up. And then you learn how to take an ass beating, and, and then eventually you learn some moves. So if you could a little bit, man, and you can tie this into your school as well. Talk a little bit about the, the training process itself. Um, so right now I only train uh, one night a week. The, the, the school runs four nights a week, but I'm only there teaching one night a week. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny how it came up is that one night I just went to the school uh, to, to work on some stuff for myself. And I show up to the school and there's a smattering of kids there. There's no structure. There's no one teaching the class. And we, there's new students that are showing up that are showing interest in joining. And, you know, there's it looks like shit and there's no one there. And that reflects on me because I'm a part of that company. So I took it upon myself to offer to, to, to teach the class on Thursdays to try to, to try to generate some more structure and get some more buy-in from, from not just the new students, but the guys that have been around for a while that still need a lot of fine tuning. Um, so that's what we've been doing. You know, we, I, I pretty much, I, I preach the basics and, and I, cause I'm a, a wholeheartedly believe that without the basics, you have nothing. Um, Cause you know what? I want the guys and girls that come to our school to strive to want to make it to WWE right? and get that try or get that look or whatever. And Kate, you know, the fact of the matter is if you're going to get that opportunity to get looked at by WWE, they don't give a shit about your flip or your 450 or any of that bullshit. What they look for is your fundamentals and are you teachable? If you don't have fundamentals and you can't be taught, they have no, they don't have any use for you. So I harp on the basics. I harp on the, the, the fundamentals of things that maybe a lot of people kind of glance over. Um, and, it, and it is like you were saying, like, like, uh, like callous over, it's more so muscle memory. You know, we work on things like basic roles uh, and people think, oh, you're just doing roles to make yourself dizzy. No, you, a, a basic role is a, is a major part of pretty much everything we do in wrestling. And it's about controlling your body, being able to protect yourself, being able to protect your opponent to some degree and, and, you know, and go out there and make what you're doing actually look somewhat legitimate. Um, and, and the more, you know, fine tune your basics are, whether it's running the ropes or lockups or tackles or whatever, you know, takedowns that the more that stuff looks on the up and up, the more credibility you have as a wrestler. So that's just kind of what I try to preach to the, to the students and, you know, it's hard when we have new new kids mixed in there with some of the more tenured ones. I try to split my time as evenly as possible um, and just trying to, to also help, you know, the guys that have been around a little bit longer to kind of develop their character more and do some promo work on them and fine-tune, the, you know, their repertoire. Well, that kind of flows back so, to what you were saying before a little bit, too, you know, talking about having the guys, having everybody be in shape when they get there and everything because 
that's that's like wrestling shape you know you learn the basics to get your form and get everything down and you know again so you don't hurt not only yourself but you don't hurt somebody else who's also working with you yeah and that's the thing i think it's very overlooked like the the, the physical fitness aspect of, of wrestling you know you can't learn to be a wrestler in the gym but going to the gym can make can possibly make you a better wrestler um again you want to have control of your own body you want to be able to 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 be strong enough to to protect your opponent um and these things go hand in hand and, and a lot of people don't take that stuff serious and they come in to the wrestling school like i said having never done any type of exercise in their life and they learn really really quick that this is a lot harder than they think yeah and if people are listening and they're like okay this is the kind of guy i want to learn from Go, go online. If you're in the state of Arizona, you can look for the Arizona Wrestling Federation Academy. And, and Dom teaches on Thursdays, and he'll be more than happy to make sure this is the right decision for you. But but Dom, you know, he, he does his thing in the ring. And, and you're, you, obviously, your character right now in the ring, and it's, it's more of a persona, and it's, it's not necessarily that far off from who you are. But that of, of, a, of a bully in the ring and, 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 you know, not taking, you know, take no prisoners and that sort of attitude, like, how did you get there from because you weren't always that you weren't even that when I first met you in the ring. How did you get to that point? Yeah, you know, it just it's I listened. I listened to to so many guys that that had so much more experience than me and did so much more than me. And the one thing that they they really hammered home to me was, you know, you got to be yourself to some degree, you know, because that's what's going to get you over is being yourself. I mean, and this analogy that I'm sure you guys have heard a zillion times over, and Steve Austin uses it a lot, is, you know, the guys that get over the most are the guys that are that are basically themselves with the volume turned up to 10 or 100 or whatever. And that that's the case for me. I decided, you know, a few years back that I just wasn't going to fucking care anymore, to be quite honest with you. Um, I wasn't going to care about what the expectation was of me in wrestling. I was going to kind of let it fly and be me with the volume turned up. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now is, is, you know, the way I go out there and wrestle, what I say in my promos, that's, that's, that's me. That's what I believe. And I think that's what is able to, to really, you know, stick with the viewer and, and the fan is that when they hear me talk or when they see me wrestle they're they, they realize that they're not being worked. That's a hundred percent. Shoot. That's, that's me. What they see is what they get. And just like, you know, when I wrestle, my job is to, to make them question what they're seeing in that ring, you know, because there's guys and girls out there now that, that go on and do their match and it's completely hokey and it looks phony and it looks choreographed and it looks, you know, way too organized. And, and when someone comes and watches my matches, they, you know, more times than not, they look and they're like, you know, I know the rest of the stuff on that show was bullshit, but I'm pretty sure that Dom guy's a prick or he hates that dude that he was fighting or whatever. And you just never know with me. And I like to keep people guessing, and I just like <laughs> to speak from the heart. And to me, that's what works best. Dom, that's good advice for not just professional wrestlers, but anybody that wants to be in the public sphere. You, you, at the end of the day, you have to be yourself, man, because eventually that's going to resonate with people, man, and you'll connect with them on a deeper level, and that'll make people that, – that, that's what gets you over. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's played a huge part in my, my personal life, actually, because for, for years and years, um, you know, I struggled with with trying to please other people. And this is not even wrestling related. This is just regular life related. I was, you know, always trying to put on this 
this uh, persona or this facade of someone I wasn't. Again, I'm trying to be a people pleaser. Um, and I got sober about 10 years ago. And I came to this realization, like, in a, a huge part of it was I had to stop giving a fuck what other people thought of me. And once I did that, along with a few other things, my life started to change for the better, like, almost instantaneously. So you, you hit the nail right on the head. It does not just apply to wrestling. This is for everything. Couldn't there's agree more, brother. There's something about you that I want people to know. And, and they can get more of this on your podcast, but... You never know who's listening to a podcast, especially as as the million and a half distribution channels we have for our shows. And and just if if I would be remiss if someone were to listen to this and not have something that could potentially lead them in a direction that can help them. You struggled with with and, and, you know, as you put it yourself, you never fully get away from it with alcoholism. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole for for two hours. And I know you could. But (laughs) if, if someone out there has the struggle and no one else can tell them like. Just, just share that perspective of what that meant to your life, how you get out of it, just briefly, because uh, we'll tell them where they can get more of it, and and what it is, and how it is always going to be part of who you are. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's something that kind of just snuck up on me, and it, and it caught me by surprise. I never thought I was going to be an alcoholic. You know, no one ever thinks they're going to do that. Um, but things just kind of caught up with me after a while. And I, and I, you know, I could see the bottom coming. A lot of people hit rock bottom first and then they want to make a change. A lot of people can also see the bottom coming and say, Oh shit, you know what? I got to pump the brakes and figure something out. And thankfully for me, that was the case. Like I, I, things were bad, but things were getting much, much worse way quicker. And I was able to, to, you know, realize it and say, you know what? This is getting out of hand. I don't have the answers. I can't get better on my own. I got to seek out help from someone else. I got to find someone that has what I want and then go right at them and say, help me. And you got to, you got to humble yourself. And that's hard, especially for a drug addict or an alcoholic to, to humble yourself and say, I'm fucked up. Please help me. I'm broken. Um, but I knew from, from anyone that had what I wanted, they did the same thing. Um, and those were the steps I had to take. And it was a very hard and tedious and involved and personal process um, it, it, like I said, not easy in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but I came out to, uh, for the better on, on, on the opposite end. And here I am 10 years later, living the best possible life I could live. And like I said, a couple weeks ago, every year since then has been significantly better than the last. And it's because of what I learned when I decided to say, fuck this, I'm taking my life back. And, and PMA is, and that's a big part of it. I'm not even going to define it cause I want you to. Is, is a huge part of what you just said and a huge part of your life. And it's something that I've always shared in before I even knew that about you. Um, but, but talk about that attitude because, it, you know, we, we live in a world of social media and that's just not the norm, honestly. No, it's not. We live in a negative society today, man. You know, and, and I actually, I, it's, it's funny because I actually find that the more we, we, we stray away from the norm in society, the better off we are. <laughs> Like, I think that's the yeah. case for wrestling, too. You know, everyone wants to be the same person in wrestling these days. Be different and you'll stand out. And it's the same way with uh, with, with your attitude, your, your mental attitude, positive mental attitude, PMA. That's something I discovered uh, from a band called H2O early on in my sobriety. And this, this lead singer just, you know, he looked like, you know, covered in tattoos and screaming into a microphone. And I'm like, this guy's talking about being positive. Get the fuck out of here. You know, but then I. I took the initiative to actually listen to what he was saying, and it just made complete sense to me. You know, and, and nobody's perfect. You're not going to have you know 100 percent 
good day the entire day, every day of your life. We're human beings and, and you know, things happen and we get down. Um, but for me, it's just a reminder to myself that, you know, things could always be worse. Things have been worse. And just try to remind myself every day, like, be thankful for what I have, be grateful for what I have, um, and try to put that positive spin on everything, have that, that more positive outlook as best as I can. And again, I, it's trial and error. I've noticed that when I adapted or adopted that way of thinking, you know, things got better for me. But the trick is you have to sustain it over time. You can't just do it for a week and, and, you know, have a great week and be like, all right, cool, back to being a fucking dickhead all the time. You know, you got (laughs) to be able to, it's got to be a part of your life consistently. You always got to check yourself because, you know, I find myself getting, you know, negative and shit like that. I'm a human being, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, But I, I have to be able to check myself, you know, and say, hey, you know, you're getting off the rails here. You know, there's a, I think there's a difference between complaining and being negative. Um, and it's a fine line and, and I have to you know, check myself at times and say, okay, what are you doing right now? Are you going down this, this deep, dark path that's going to suck you down even more? Or are you just, you know, sending out a funny tweet just to complain about something, just to get a rise out of people just for fun. You know, there's a big difference in there. Dom, you, you hit on something really big right there, brother. Number one, I, I resent one of your comments because I am a fucking dickhead. So, you know, go, go fuck yourself on that end. <laughs> I just but, but... a dickhead too in this day, so we're good. <laughs> Fair enough. But seriously, though, man, you hit on something really deep there, man. The more integrated we tend to become in society, uh, the less we get away from the source and, and the less we get away from ourselves, man. And we tend to become more and more miserable. So I, I want you to go deeper on that point right there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is. We do get more miserable when we're, we're trying to put on, um, you know, an act, so to speak. And I, one of the biggest things that I, I've learned in life, uh, especially the past 10 years, is, uh, you know, misery loves company. You know, and there's a lot of miserable people out there, a lot of negative people. And that's a feeling and an emotion that people have. And that doesn't feel good for them. And it's, it's essentially, it isolates them. It makes them feel lonely. So the last thing they want to do is feel that negativity, feel that despair by themselves. So what they'll do is they'll try to bring you down with them. They'll try to bring you to their level. So you're bitching and moaning about the same shit that they are. So now they don't feel as lonely. Now they feel justified in that feeling. Um, whereas I don't fucking keep those people company. You know, I, I have I have friends, I have close family that that think that way. And you, I, you also I, have a dead body you're trying to remove from your residence, it sounds like. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's Greg throwing a dead body in the trunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not afraid to, to cut ties with people like that. And, I, and a lot of people are. I don't give a fuck if it's my mom, who I love with all of my heart. I don't give a fuck if it's my best friend or my worst enemy. If you have this negative mentality and, and your 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 aura is kind of rubbing off on me and I notice that, I'll fucking I'll get my distance from you. And I've done it before to people I love. And one or two things happens. They don't accept me for who I am anymore. Oh well, your loss, not mine. Or they come to the realization where they're like, ah, you know what? You're fucking right. And I don't want to be that way. Help me out. How do I get out of this funk? And I'm glad to help anyone like that. Yeah, it's so important that, that you got to be able to, self-awareness is such a big thing, and so few people seem to have it sometimes, and I think they do have it, but it kind of sends them into a denial pattern as well, uh, oftentimes, but it, it's, it's, you know, 
your perspective changes. Like I'm trusted with raising two children, you know, and I don't do it alone. I have a wife and we do all that, but teaching them, like you gotta be positive, but it's funny. Cause I'm, you know, my son's 11 and he's older and he's getting to that point right now where I got to tell him like, sometimes, you know, I don't use these words, but, but sometimes I do when his mom's not around, sometimes you gotta be a dick. And sometimes you have to be that guy because no one else will be that guy. And, and it just, that that's what it takes. And, and it's, you know, that's kind of the perspective that people have to have on life. And, I'll be honest with you, being involved in professional wrestling actually brought the dickish side out of me more often than, than you know, than I wanted to, but I really needed it to. Um, Dom actually once, I'll, I'll share this story, Dom actually once told me I might be the nicest person he's ever met and might be too nice for my own good. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that seems to be the case. A lot of times there's people that are too nice to be in wrestling, <laughs> to be quite yeah. honest with you. Uh, yeah, but no, and you're you right. It's, it's kind of like that tough love thing that everyone talks about, and you know maybe our society is is lacking that these days, where you know everyone's trying to be someone or not. Everyone's putting on the, this this false face with the with social media and trying to be someone or not and portray this life that they don't necessarily have. And there's not enough people out there calling people out and telling them, you know, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're, you know, this is what you. you know, there's too much ass kissing going on. And not enough, you know, realistic, um, you know, realization, I should say. Um, and I've been labeled a dick and I've been labeled a bully, especially in wrestling, because I don't give a shit. I will tell someone, you know, what they're doing wrong or what they're doing, why it looks stupid. And, or, but I'll also at the same time put over what they're doing that's good. And but the, the, that part of it always gets, you know, whitewashed. No one ever pays attention to that stuff when I give them compliments. It's when I when I, you know cut through whatever they're doing and try to try to help or offer a suggestion. It's, it's Dom's being a dick. Dom's being a bully. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck this, that, and the other thing when that's completely the opposite because I absolutely love professional wrestling. I'm just not in love with it anymore because of, you know, the way it's, it's turned in, over recent years. But of course, when I leave wrestling, which is going to be soon, I want it to be left in the best possible hands that it can be. And if I have something to offer, if I have some suggestions to give, I'm going to give those, and I'm not going to pull any punches. But you know, guys and, and girls in wrestling are a little bit too sensitive these days, and, and they take it the wrong way, and then they they try to drag my name through the mud, which never works for them. Um, my my pedigree speaks for itself. You know, uh, who who uh, who respects me in, in the wrestling business? You know, the list is a mile long of guys that have been to WrestleMania and have been at the very top, and their list is non-existent. So. I don't take any, I just, I laugh it off. I, I take it in stride when they call me a bully. I start using the fucking hashtag bully and get myself over even more. <laughs> now, we're not going to let you just breeze past that one, brother. Let, let's uh, double back here for a quick second. <laughs> what is it that uh, made you fall out of love with the wrestling business? Is, yeah, it, is it the wrestling itself or is it more about the business? Or is it about the I people think it's and everything? just a little bit of everything because, you, you know, you, you come into wrestling at a certain time and you fall in love with it and it becomes what you know. Um, and as time has progressed, it's gotten so far away from, from what I was taught to love and what I grew up loving. And now it looks like something completely different where I don't even recognize it anymore. So, you know, that, that's tough. Let's say, you know, you're, a, you're in the military and you leave your wife for a year and a half to go go to battle and then you come back home and she looks completely different. She acts completely different to you, to your kids and whatever. And it's like, this is the person that I once loved, you know, and that's kind of where I, where I fall now. Um, I, I just, oh, I just feel like professional wrestling could be so much more than it actually is today. And that's saying a lot because it's, it's popular today, 
but I, I just I, I feel like we're really missing the boat on an opportunity to to take it to the next level to to provide a living for so many more guys um, at the expense of trying to be popular online. I think that's what it comes down to, and, and people really losing focus about you know what started this whole professional wrestling thing in the first place and what actually worked, like what actually made people give a shit about two guys fighting each other just as much as they do about a UFC fight today. Um, that's what we're missing. We were, you know, UFC couldn't even fucking sniff wrestling's jockstrap in 1996, 1997. Uh, now, like, you know, we're begging for that kind of viewership. Um, and it's by, it's, it's not by accident. If you could, like, if you could pick, like, let's say two things, because I, I think we've kind of grown up at the same eras of wrestling, because we're all, I think you're a couple years younger than we are. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're from kind of the same eras as we grew up. What, like, you know, there's stuff that's missing that they don't do back in the day. Is there like, let's say like two things, like if you could change about what's going on right now that you would like to see being done? Uh, yeah. First would be realism. Wrestling is not, is not, um, the realism of wrestling isn't focused on any longer. Everyone knows that, you know, what wrestling is. Um, the curtain's been pulled back. Everyone's had a peek behind it. But we don't need to bring the fans even further behind the curtain. And that's part of our problem. You know, the fans are no longer able to get emotionally invested in anything. They're mostly anything that anyone's doing. Because the guys are on Facebook thanking each other for the match immediately after it's over. Whereas 15 minutes before that, they're talking about how they're going to beat the shit out of each other. You're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, if you look at history, you know, the, the, the biggest booms in wrestling were times when people actually thought that to some degree that what they were watching was on the up and up. You know, when it first started, you know, the, the early history of wrestling, um, you know, it wasn't exposed to what it is. So no one knew. Everyone just thought it was guys grappling and, and trying to fight each other. Then you had your territory days where, where the, the heels were fighting their way out of buildings, you know, try, almost getting stabbed and shot at because the fans really thought that they were beating up their their beloved baby face and you have the the you know the 80s where you know hulkamania is running wild and every little kid loved hulk hogan and believed in hulk hogan 150 percent with all their might and made their mother and father spend money on that hulk rules fucking shirt and then you have the the attitude era where everybody could relate to steve austin because everyone hated their fucking boss and wanted to beat the shit out of him. And you really, even though you knew wrestling was what it was, you thought maybe fucking Steve Austin really hated that motherfucker. Or, yo, you know what? May, WWF is maybe a little, fa a little fake, but that ECW stuff, man, I'm pretty sure that stuff's real. You know, there's always been that sense of what if, and we don't have that anymore today. It's, it's, it, it's just, it's theatrics now. It's theater. It's not really wrestling anymore. It's performance art. You know, everyone wants to use that art term all around. Um, so I think, I think one is, uh, realism, you know, the long winded answer to your first qu your question. And then part two, I think, um, just being more, more picky about who we let in wrestling. Um, right now, any asshole can show up to a wrestling school and as long as they're paying their dues consistently, the school's going to keep them coming back. Whereas that wasn't the case before, you know, it was, it was urged Back in the day, make people earn it. You know, not anyone can do what we do. We were a fraternity. Now you can buy a wrestling ring and call yourself a wrestler. Um, you know, now you, you can't tell the, the kid at the wrestling school that has zero athletic ability whatsoever 
that, hey, you know what, kid, this probably isn't for you because you're afraid he's going to take his, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month away from you and then that's going to put a dent in your pocket. That's the wrong mentality to have. We, we got to get wrestlers back in wrestling. We, you know, I always say you're going to stand out more if you, when, you know, or we got away from this, this era where, you know, nowadays people, you know, will ask, you know, an indie wrestler, hey, what do you do for a living? And they'll say, well, I'm an indie or I'm a professional wrestler. And they say, really? You? You know, whereas in the <laughs> 80s, when a pro wrestler gets asked that question, I'm a pro wrestler. They're like, well, you're goddamn right. You are. Look at you. Um, and I'm not saying everyone needs to be a powerhouse or, you know, a, a bodybuilder, a weightlifter. Um, but make yourself special. Be Stand out. Don't be just – everyone looks like a goddamn paper boy these days. And, and again, everyone looking the same. And it's just a bunch of skinny little kids doing flips and acrobatics and trapeze moves and shit like that that mean nothing. And, you know, I got a very interesting um, philosophy on what, how those people are going to end up in a couple of years, you know, relating it to the, the wrestlers that had a drug problem back in the day. But I don't know if you guys want to hear that. So. <laughs> So basically, everybody that's wrestling right now is going to end up like Dynamite Kid. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, to some degree, I really think that, man. Because you, know, you think about the 70s and 80s. Everyone was doing all kinds of drugs in wrestling, right? And we didn't really see the effects of that until the late 90s, early 2000s. And today, everyone, you know, everyone was dying young. But that was the norm back then. And nowadays, these guys are doing all these these moves and maneuvers and killing themselves. Like, you know, injuries are abundant, and these guys think they're Superman. And let's, you know, fast forward the clock 15 years from now, a lot of these guys are going to be in some really fucking bad shape. And I've been wrestling for 17 years, and I haven't done nearly the amount of fucking death-defying shit that these guys do these days. And I feel like shit a lot of days today. And if I feel like this, I didn't do any any of that shit they're doing. They're in for a lot of fucking trouble down the line. That's an interesting point you bring up, man. And I, I think that crosses over to not just professional wrestling, but other sports in general. You be it football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever you name it, man. There just seems to be, and and maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, but it seems to be that there's just more and more injuries nowadays than there used to be back in the day. Well, you're absolutely right. And and think about it. You know, athletes today are bigger, faster, and stronger. Whether that's with, with the assistance of performance-enhancing drugs or not, it, it doesn't matter. You know, the technology is advanced. Um, you know, uh, methods of physical fitness have advanced. You know, equipment has advanced. So, yeah, all of our athletes, whether, like you said, wrestling, hockey, football, bigger, faster, stronger, you're, you're getting hit harder. Um, you're taking more trauma to your body. Um and you, you know, now we live in this this world where it's you know tr- train wrecks are so fun to to look at, but now you can see a train wreck instantaneously on your phone, and everyone wants to do those those things to stand out, and and especially in wrestling, we're in this uh, this viral era where guys are purposely trying to go viral, and they're doing it completely wrong. Like if you take a look at Joey Ryan, I I, I think Joey Ryan is a, a very interesting case here. He went to Japan, did this spot with his dick that got super over on accident. And he's made mad money off of it. And I fucking commend him for that. Good for him. Now you got a bunch of fucking jabronis out there that are trying to, to, to kind of chief off of that a little bit and are purposely trying to do the same type of stuff. And it's not the same because it's not being done organically. And, you know, they might get 500 views or 1,000 views on a week and then everyone forgets about it. Whereas Joey did it the right way. It just happened, and he monetized it, and he continues to monetize it. 
whereas everyone else now is trying to to do that one thing that's going to make them stand out and, that, and that's it's not just in wrestling it's anything people are, are, are interested in this type of things when it happens naturally not when it's forced well and, and like you said you know it's, it's you know you're trying to stand out you don't have to do some crazy ass bump some stupid flips and and all that stuff you, you can't tell me that right now you couldn't go out there with an austin 316 promo and have that go viral and go over because that was just such a badass moment off the cuff I'm, i guarantee you just a good ass promo like that could get over in the wrestling business it really can and, and everyone is so concerned about moves and moves get the initial reaction they don't get that emotional that emotional investment that's going to make someone give a shit about what you do next or what you do next show. And I'll give you, I'll just give you an example and I'm not trying to like put myself over at all here, but uh, we that's just what had we're a here show. for. Put yourself over brother. <laughs> no, we I do a- it every week, bro. Don't worry <laughs> about it, man. Do you? Uh, but right now uh, I'm involved in a situation at the, at the Arizona wrestling federation, you know, with me and my tag team partner. And I don't do a single flip. I don't do anything. I punch people. Like that's my high spots. I punch people. <laughs> I don't fucking dive. You know, I do a, I'll, I'll do a top rope elbow drop once in a while. I don't do it every match, but I can talk. That's my strong suit. I can talk. And I'm in decent shape, and my tag team partner is bigger than me. He's a six foot four, 315-pound monster, which you don't see in wrestling anymore, especially in, in independent wrestling. And we stand out, and people give a shit, and people want to see what we're going to do next. And we don't do a single fucking flip. It's because we're we're psychologically, you know, reeling them in, um, and they don't even realize that, which is even better. Well, and that's the way you, you got to do it. You're investing. You have people invest in what you're doing and what you're talking about, and have actually care about the character. That's that's something that's huge. And it makes it, it makes my job so much easier. You know, where I don't. And it's so much less trauma on my body, um, and it's not. You know, people are like, oh, you're just working lazy. I'm still working hard, but I'm working smart as well. You know, if, if people say that thing, oh, work smarter, not harder, I don't believe in that. I believe you work hard and you work smart. Well, think, you work both. Think of a guy like The Miz, you know. He's like the best he's yeah. the best talker in the business right now. He doesn't do it. And once in a while, he'll go up to the top rope and drop an, uh, you know, a double axe handle. Otherwise, he's, you know, you just you, he gets out there and talks and you hate him and you want to see him get his ass kicked. He doesn't do anything crazy in the ring. Yeah, and he does He does his job. His job is to be the bad guy and be hated. And people get so upset. They say, oh, the Miz sucks, man, and this, that, and the other. And, and I laugh when I see that stuff because they, the, the, some of the fans don't even realize that they're falling for it. And they, they, when I see stuff like that, that reassures <laughs> me that wrestling can go back to the way it was. Like Everyone's like, oh, kayfabe is dead. And I completely wholeheartedly agree that's bullshit. That is bullshit. That's what a lazy fucking wrestler says. Because it's super easy to go out there and try to jerk the fans off and be friends with them and, and be their buddy and get them to fucking like you on Facebook and, and share your shit and, and all that. That's the easy part. The hard part is to go out there and fucking work and do your job and still have them give a shit, whether it's love you or hate you. And very, very few people can do that today. So, yeah, Dom, I do. I w- oh, go ahead, Greg. No, go ahead. Go. Go. You're good. Dom, uh, Dom, I want you to to grab your crystal ball for a second, man, and put it on your clairvoyant cap and let us know where do you see the future of the business of professional wrestling going? Uh, Man, that's that's tough because it's and it's it's unfortunate, too, because there are so many talented and athletic uh, 
and intelligent guys and girls out there that have that that are young and are hungry and could do so much with wrestling and make so much money and they just continue to shoot themselves in the foot um if if i i don't think wrestling is going to die i don't think that's even that's even a possibility i think it'll be around forever um but i I think if we look ahead 10 15 20 years from now you're going to see kind of a split i think um where you know if you want to see a professional wrestling show that's going to be in a completely different venue or avenue than a performance art wrestling show so you know there's there's people running shows now without a wrestling ring which to me is completely <laughs> fucking stupid. Like, how do you have a wrestling show without a wrestling you're, you're running, no, you're doing a play with guys dressed like wrestlers. That You're having a play. Hear ye, hear ye. You know? I <laughs> shall smite thee. Put them up. Put them up. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, I just think there will be a separation at, at some point. Um, and, and it all won't just be, you know, lumped in. Because I think if it stays lumped in, the casual fan is going to continue to not give a shit about what we're doing because it's going to be too hokey and phony for them. They don't care about that. They can just go watch movies for that. Thank you, by yeah, the, the way, now, because you, you have now put that out into the universe. So now the next high spot we're going to see on the Internet is literally a guy shooting himself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, these days, that's all. That's how you beat a guy. You kick out of everything yeah. else. So who cares? <laughs> you got to gotta shoot him with a gun. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So. You host, and, and, and Platt brought this up in the beginning when he introduced you, but you do host the Nothing to Prove. You don't just host it. It's your show. You do everything for the Nothing to Prove podcast. I mean, it's you and it's the listeners. And this isn't like, hey, promote your podcast because it's, it's, it, it's an important show in my mind. And I think shows are important for different reasons, but it's trying to leave something behind for people to learn from and understand. So I don't want you to – I'm not saying plug the show. We'll do that later. Mm-hmm. But what is it? Tell people if they haven't listened. What is it? Why is it so important? Yeah, you know, I. It's just it's we need it. I feel like we need it in our society today. It's just it's just a reminder for us to 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 do good and be good people. And so a couple of years ago, I you know I started thinking ahead. I started thinking you know I'm not going to be able to wrestle forever. You know my body will give away at some point. So what can I do to use the no, whatever notoriety that I have in wrestling? And transition that into another field. And I could always talk. Like talking again was is always my strong suit. Um, so I said, well, why not a podcast? And I decided to start a podcast because I had a lot of stuff to say. And at first, it started as you know, I would just talk about whatever, whether it was wrestling or sports or current events or whatever the case may be. And it's evolved over the past like two and a half years, and especially over the last year and a couple months, where it really took a turn. And I wanted it to get the focus off of pro wrestling. Because, you know, obviously, you know, pro wrestling is a niche, you know, and certain not everyone is into that kind of stuff. Um, but I felt that I had, uh, you know, a voice that could reach many, you know, more people than just wrestling fans. So I switched I switched what we talk about on the show. And, and every week I'll talk about what's in the news. But I also the, the main points I make on the show are ways for everyone to 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 live a better life. So we talk a lot about depression and anxiety and addiction and, you know, whatever, whatever is afflicting people out there these days, just self-esteem, um, you know, developing social skills, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we just talk about real life stuff and how to overcome that. And I just try to give people a little bit of inspiration every week 
Uh, we have some fun talking about what's going on in the news, but then we break it down to more realistic stuff at the end and, and kind of give give the listener some pointers. You know, what can I do this week to, to live the best life possible? You know, what can I do over the next month to make sure I don't fall into a depression? Or if I do fall into a depression, you know, what can I do to try to dig myself out of it? Um, so it's become much more than just wrestling. It, it's 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 a life podcast where we're trying to help people, um, and, and we need you know people need help more than ever today because like we were talking about earlier, we live in a very negative society today, um, and there's not enough good out there. There's a lot of bad and there's a lot of negativity, and I just try to bring some good and some positivity to the world and and you know lay it on the plate for everyone and say here it is, you guys use it. It'll work. It's up to you to use it though. Dom, Dom, <clears throat> excuse me, Dom, Dom. Bro, okay, bro, you, you can't say, well, I don't really want to put myself over and, and then say that your podcast is here to enrich humanity, bro. Like, you said, oh, man. Right, Come on, you man. Said, you said that, dude. <laughs> yeah, hey, but that's the thing, man. You never know how far one voice can go, man, and it travels. And I and that's the way it's been on this show. You know, I like I started with a very small audience, and word of mouth is a motherfucker, man. Mm-hmm. And it just spreads. And I just had I've had so many people reach out to me and tell me how the show has immensely changed their life or saved their life. And that's to me that means comp- so much more than anything wrestling has ever given me. And I love wrestling to death, I really do. Um, but I'm talking, we're talking about you know human lives here, man, and that. It is completely worthwhile to me. So it, may, it makes it worth it doing that show every Monday. Like I said, even when, you know, I'm like dragging my ass and, and having to do, you know, record. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. Oh, I'm so tired. But that's what picks me up. That's what tells me, you know, it's got to be done because there's someone out there that's, that's waiting to hear what you have to say. And it could be a lifesaver. Yeah, I would think just, I mean, just reaching one person. It's probably just amazing to, to have that feeling, you know, that you're that you're helping out humanity like that. That's inspiring. Yeah, one dude. The this it is it's crazy. You hear that a lot too. Like, oh, I just want to help one person, and you think, oh, just one person. But then when you do, it's like, holy shit! Like th- that really did. Like what I said, right. what came out of my mouth changed someone's life completely. Where from where they went from feeling like a downright piece of shit to feeling. never feeling better about themselves or in quite some time like that's powerful stuff man you know that that proves to me or shows me that you know i have an influence on a lot of people and i got to do it use it for the right reason so you talk about you know i can talk you you know you can talk and talking something you've always been good at and and you know life after wrestling you've had to start thinking about that there's a company gaining a lot of prominence right now pcw ultra and you are a prominent figure in that company and you don't wrestle there anymore. So share with the people, A, the company, and B, what you're doing and how it sort of maybe changed how you're, you're looking at wrestling, looking at your career, all of that. Yeah, so uh, I've been with PCW Ultra since day one. Um, and I had a really good run uh, as, a, as a tag team wrestler there. We were the first tag team champions in, in PCW, which it was a huge honor uh, uh, to be bestowed upon us. Um, and I'm not necessarily done wrestling for pcw just right now i'm not doing that um but i have an on-air role um where i am the director of communications so i'm kind of like the um the voice between the office and the fans so i'll address the fans at every show i'll do some some uh segments on you know commentary some in ring um i'll do some like i interviewed stephen bonner stephen bonner that his name the ufc guy i don't know anything about ufc 
but he's a cool dude. I met him last show. And I interviewed him during the intermission that we had there. Um, so I, and I, and I, it's, I like it because I get a chance to talk to the fans out there at, um, at the shows. I'm like, kind of like an ambassador. I, I go out there on my own time and I, I talk to the fans. I see what they like, what they don't like. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because wrestling fans are so different all over. And I, I absolutely love the PCW Ultra fans. I think they're the best best fans out there. And I think without, you know, putting us over t- too hard, I really think that PCW Ultra is the, the best independent wrestling promotion in the country. I don't think there's anyone that's a close second. Um, and there's a lot of different moving factors that are involved in that. Um, but I like talking to the PCW fans out there. Um, you know, you know, who knows one day, you know, we'll, we'll get back in the ring. But right now I really like that role. I'm doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. Um, I'm working closely with, uh, you know, with Joe Kabibo there and Kevin Sullivan, uh, we, um, works, uh, work very close with Kevin producing a lot of the promos for the, for the events. Um, which is something I take a, a, a huge interest in because it's my passion you know, being able to talk and, and actually help. Um, guide some of the talent there and, and kind of get them over and get their characters over and get them the confidence to speak. Um, you know, get, getting that responsibility is huge for me. And I got some other backstage responsibilities that I do, uh, I'm responsible for too. Um, but I've never, I never wrestled for a company um, quite like PCW Ultra, professional on every single level, um, just a hardworking staff, both in ring and outside of the ring. And I, I just don't have enough good things to say about them. And it's well deserved, and, and I'm glad that you know. Hopefully, it'll turn somebody on to that product, which they can see. If you have Amazon Prime, you can see PCW Ultra to search for it and and enjoy. And it's a very good product, and and I say that from from all sincerity. And I'm excited that that you're there and you've got the role and everything that you're doing. It's um, you know, I, we used to do this on my show back in the day, and you even did this once before on my show a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, where where we talk about somebody else and and put somebody else over and. For me, you know, a guy that we both know and a guy that I believe should be on television at this point or be trending towards being on television. And I want you to talk to the people and maybe help them discover a guy they've never heard of. And you probably already know who it is. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and that, that's your boy, Hammer. Tell the people about Alexander Hammerstone and maybe why they should know him if they don't. Alexander Hammerstone, hashtag YBH. The hashtag is optional, but it shouldn't be. Your boy, Hammer. <laughs> Hammerstone um, is based out of out of the Arizona area, and he is the first guy in a long time from this area to really make a name for himself outside the local scene. Um, and it's not by accident. Um, I've never met a more dedicated and hardworking or intense individual. I don't think in my entire in my entire travels in wrestling over seventeen plus years. Um, I've done, I've been on shows with Alex. I've wrestled Alex. I've been to the gym with him and everything he does is on a, at a level of one to 10, he's at a 12 on everything he does. And that's why he's as good as the way, as good as he is. That's as, that's why he looks as good as he does. He's a, when I say student of the game, he is one of those guys. He's the guy that will go back and look and discover guys that we tell him, hey, have you ever watched any of this guy's stuff? And he said, you'll say yes, and we'll give him some more stuff. Or he says no, and he goes out and he, he seeks out who that person is, and, and, and he, he looks it up and he, and he studies them. He asks for advice. 
He never settles for anything. He, he's he's an anomaly, and, and he's going to get to where he needs to be. I have no doubt in my mind because of his work ethic. And what, what's astonishing to me is that the way he looks, the way he wrestles, the where he's getting booked all over the place, You have, these local kids have this guy that they could pick his brain and ask for advice, and so few of them do it. And they're missing out on a huge opportunity. Um, and, and Alex, above all, um, Alex is a good dude. He's a good guy. Um, and, and, you know, personal quality like that goes a long way. And I, I mean, he's going to reach the top no matter what. I know that for a fact. Good. Hopefully some people hear that and check him out. Google and, and look for him and discover a new talent they can follow, which I think is so important as an independent wrestling fan. And I wanted to wait till Platt was back for this talk about conversation because I know it's a big part of his life too. Going back to your show, you music plays a large part in this show. And I also know that music plays a large part in your life. And, and so, so just to kind of give something to the people right now, what would you be listening to, to lift the spirits, to get you going? Maybe before you go to the gym, like what's out there that people should pump into their ears to also pump themselves up spiritually. Hold on, uh, Dom. No, no disrespect, brother, but just real quick, Greg, you really gonna bury me like that? I mean, I know, goddamn, I know you the boss and everything, but shit, I can't go take a piss real quick. They wouldn't have known I was gone had you not said so. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Jesus. <laughs> I never said you took a piss. I never said that. I, I stress the importance left. of you being here for it, man. It's a transparent podcast. Uh, transparent podcast. Right. Well, full transparency. Remember, I'm so white, I'm almost transparent. Full transparency. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Clearly, because that was mighty white of you, man, to bury me But, but Dom, um, please, man, the floor is yours, bro. Yeah, uh, so it's obvious that Platt has good taste in music. He's got his Wu-Tang hoodie on there, so Ain't props for that. Always throw the W up. Uh, you know, uh, you, any Wu-Tang album you're going to do, you're going to be right with. Um, I'll always be... Uh, I always have a special place in my heart for Enter the 36 Chambers because that's the first time I ever heard them was back in the day. Um, their newest one actually is really good, so you guys should check that out. It um, really is, man. I was surprised because of Better Tomorrow. Like, it, it, yeah. it was yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. The, the chemistry wasn't there. It was just mm -hmm. off. Yeah, this new one is fantastic. You definitely got to check it out. It's, it's the best one they put out in quite some time. Yes. Um, but I, I, as far as hip hop music goes, I love hip hop music, but I love old hip hop music. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the new stuff. I don't really know enough about it. There's a couple of good guys out there that are newer, but I'm not going to put them over because I don't know enough about them. But I'm more of the old school, uh, you know, a tribe called Quest, De La Soul. Oh, oh uh, my man. God. I, I think I just found my man crush, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Please continue. <laughs> One of my favorites, favorites of all time, who's very underrated and, and uh, left us far too soon, was Big L, who. Uh, Oh my God! Was, yeah, his oh his delivery yes. was was out of this world, um, and that's what I grew up. I grew up on on old school hip hop. You know, um, that was my thing. And I, and I slowly, as I got older, I started you know expanding my horizons, and I got into punk music. And Rancid is is one of my favorite uh, bands that always lifts me up. Social Distortion, um, which one of their their self titled album was one of the ones that really helped me get through my early sobriety, um, and. You know, what else? Um, you know, before I go to the gym, like, you know, I'll put on some body count or, uh, nice. you know, Metallica, you know, old Metallica. And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan at heart, you know? And so I, I'm not going to lie. If I'm in the gym, I'll put a wrestling fucking playlist on and wreck house <laughs> to that shit. And I still think the greatest song ever to work out to is Triple H's The Game by Motorhead. 
<laughs> oh my no god <laughs> oh my god man my my girl god bless her man she goes to the gym and literally she'll she'll throw on she'll throw on the dx song and she'll throw on triple x uh triple h the game by motorhead and get it in yeah. at the gym yeah <laughs> yeah, and my and the the main uh, if you really want to get your spirits up, just listen to the the album actually called "Nothing to Prove" uh, by the band H Two O. That'll pick you up, and that that's what I actually named the, the podcast after was was that album because it, it meant so much to me. And uh, you know, Toby Morris, the lead singer of H Two O, he's he's the epitome of of what human humankind should be. Um, just a, a very very kind and and generous and compassionate man. Uh, you wouldn't know that just by looking at him. He's t- his whole fucking body's covered in tattoos, um, but he's he's the real deal. He's a he's a genuinely nice human being, and I've had a chance to chop it up with him a couple times. And um, yeah, just support him in H two O for sure. So I have two questions for you, man. Number one, um, as far as you said, you're into the punk scene, and I, I like the punk scene myself because it has the same energy as hip hop, at least initially. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a band called Death? You know, I just got put on the death a couple of years ago. After okay. That, that, uh, that, the the that documentary? documentary. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. The, the original punk band. Actually. Yes. Yeah. For yeah. those of you that aren't familiar, death is the are these three brothers. And I mean that in every sense of the word from Detroit. And they, they were making punk music before there was a such thing as punk music. Because, you know, everybody tries to uh, claim that the Sex Pistols are the original punk band. And, and shout out to them, man. I love Sid Vicious yeah. and all that. But, yeah, this group was actually about, you know, three or four years. They started making music three or four years before the Sex Pistols came out. And there's a really good documentary about them on Netflix. So you guys should go check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it it, it kind of relates to the wrestling thing. Like, know your know your roots. You know, know yeah. your history. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Definitely check out a band called Death for sure. And, and number two, man, you brought up the Wu Tang. Man, who's your favorite member? You know, fuck. It, it, I don't know if it's the cliche answer, but for me, it's Method Man. I I think for some reason people sleep on him, and I don't know if it's because he's in in movies and more mainstream. But that motherfucker is a lyrical fucking savage. If you really listen to his stuff, and actually, he just had a really good interview that he did with Michael Rappaport. Um, on the I Am Rappaport podcast that I highly recommend any Wu-Tang fan listen to. Um, and he really breaks down the history of, of him and the group. Um, and obviously every member of the group is, is talented. Um, but he, and he, not only is he great, uh, you know, as far as his, his, uh, his lyricism and how he rhymes, but I've seen incarnate, different incarnations of the Wu-Tang Clan in concert about 12 times. And uh, whenever he's on stage, he he has this this charisma and this stage presence like I've never seen before in hip hop. So Method Man is indeed the man. I I apologize, man, but you brought up seeing Wu in concert, man. Can I tell a quick story about me smoking weed with the Wu Tang? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Fair enough. So uh, this was uh, 2000. I was home from college, and and my boy Frank Nitty and I, shout out to Frank Nitty, man. I know you're not listening, but I still love you, bro. So we're, I'm originally from Cleveland. So we're downtown Cleveland. Wu Tang showed up to the show. Uh, It was their show. Uh, First and foremost, they were literally like three hours late. So, you know, they're, but I, I guess that's just a concerts. That's how that goes. That's their thing. That's what they yeah. do. <laughs> Old Dirty didn't, wouldn't be, wasn't there because they said he missed his flight. I, I don't know how true that is, <laughs> but he wasn't there. But RIP to, to Dirt McGirt. So we get there, man. We're in the front row, man. We're hanging out. And all of a sudden, Rizzer shouts out, hey, does anybody got any weed? Of course we got weed on us, right? So my man Frank goes in his bag and, and pulls out his weed. 
and he hands it to RZA on stage. So RZA, they're all on stage. They're performing and everything, and RZA's rolling his blunt and this and that. And then they go ahead, they light it, they take a couple puffs, they pass it around to all you know nine members that was there because Capadonna was there as well. And, and then they bring it out to the crowd, and I, I shit you not, RZA literally took the joint, or took the blunt rather, and put it straight into my hands. So I can say <laughs> that I had a cipher with the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh. <laughs> that's, sim- that's similar to, to one of my stories in that uh, this is like back in my 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 back in the day day. This is probably like 2001, 2002. And we were at a show. It was You God and Master Killer were, were performing. And everyone in the whole building was smoking weed. So we we figured that we could too. So we did. But we got caught. We got kicked out of the venue. <laughs> and, uh, I had to beg and plead the, the, to the bouncer. I said, I didn't, I didn't understand. I thought it was okay since everyone else was. And he let us back in for the show. I was like, we won't do it again. He let us back in. And years later, I, I started bouncing at a bar. And I thought back to that situation. And I was like, if any of these motherfuckers tried pulling that with me here, I would drop them on their fucking head. <laughs> it would not happen. <laughs> so I feel like I really lucked out that evening. <laughs> uh, so before we go, you, you speak to a lot of people. And, and you, you're, you're afforded that opportunity to do some, some speaking engagements at times. Um, and, and I just want to keep it brief and almost keep it, you know, mysterious. If, if you just, you know, a couple sentences, if you wanted to impart something on somebody and they left the room and, and that's what they remembered about what you told them, what would it be? Wow. Really put me on the spot here, Greg. <laughs> Tell you, I know you can handle it. I know you can handle <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my parting words, you know, you know, to anybody are, I would just say, prove me wrong. I, I, I've been using that a lot lately. Because everyone has, uh, you know, excuses, or everyone thinks they're they're as good as, or you know, as good as the next. And I always say, you know, I do this better than you. I do that better than you. And I want you to prove me wrong. Because I don't think I'm the best at everything I do. Absolutely not. Um, but I want people to be able to to, to work harder. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, you know, don't live up to their fullest potential, and they they shortchange themselves. And I want to challenge people. To actually um, go out there and, and push their limits and see what they're actually what they're actually made of and what they have inside of themselves. And when you push that limit or push past it, it opens up a whole new world for you because you never you've never even you know gotten into that that realm before. And then when you actually get there by pushing your limits and pushing past it, it opens up a world of opportunity for you. So I just say, prove me wrong, and I know everyone can, and I know everyone will. There you go. Beautiful. Well, now we can put everything over. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find the show, and where they can connect with Don Batali. Yes, thank you, Greg. Uh, best place to find the podcast is nothingtoprovepodcast.com. Uh, we have all our episodes up there. We're also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and pretty much, I think, almost every other podcast platform out there. Um, I'm not really a technical guy, so I don't know how that works. Um, but we, I, uh, we also, I, I have a VIP show, uh, like a premium show that you could pay a subscription for, um, where I do talk specifically wrestling related items only on that show. It's a, it's an additional podcast that I release every week. It's an hour long where we just talk wrestling stuff, where I give my insight on some of the stuff that's happened in, in the wrestling world or experiences of my own from the past week which we're getting a lot of great feedback about all the, the VIP members really are enjoying that quite a bit. Um, so we, we have fun on that every single day or every single week. Uh, and you can do that by visiting patreon.com and just search nothing to prove. 
and there you can find out how to become one of our VIP listeners. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Dom E L Bomb. Uh, that's Spanish for Dom the Bomb. For those of you that don't know Spanish, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can follow us on nothing um, at Nothing to Prove Podcast. Or I'm sorry, at NTP Podcast. I should say. Um, yeah, I'm on, we're on Facebook too. You know, just search Dom Vitali or Nothing to Prove Podcast. We're over there. Instagram Dom E L Bomb over there too. And uh, yeah, man, just keep spreading the word. That's all I'm doing. And uh, if you wanna. If you want to make your life a little bit better, join our Nothing to Prove family. Listen every Monday for free and, uh, and you know, take what we give you and, and apply it to life and just watch as you reap the benefits. There we go. I love it. Dom, I, again, you know, I talk about full transparency. I, Dom was, was able to come on last minute when, when somebody canceled, but I'm a believer in things happening for a reason. I'm sure that someone listened to this show and heard what you're saying and needed to, whether they're in the world of wrestling or whether they're out of the world of wrestling. They needed to hear it. You gave a lot of time to everybody today, and, and I thank you for that. I thank you for coming on, and I just I thank you for, for being you because that's the best you can be, and, and we appreciate it. Yeah, and Greg, I just want to let you know, man, um, it's my pleasure to, to help you out in any way I can because uh, there, there's, there, there wasn't many, but there, you were one of those guys that always believed in me and my ability since day one. Um, so whatever I can do to ever help you out, you know I'm down for that. It's funny. We already got to the part where we – Say goodbye. I want to tell a quick Dom story just because it, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I want to. Um, and this actually goes back before Dom was this persona in the ring. But Dom's always been the same person, um, or at least it, it's always been in there. I was a, a figurehead for what was called Impact Zone Wrestling back then. And, 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 and the booker was never there, and he gave the book to somebody else. And I won't name names because I'm friends with all these people. And, and I did a lot of the booking kind of secretly. And, and we had, like, this, this stable... And we were under the guise of the National Wrestling Alliance. And that didn't go over too well because it pissed off the NWA people at the time. And, and the plan was to eventually move to, to a faction or a stable called the DeMarco family. And, and it never happened because that's just the way things go sometimes. And, and Dom was cutting a promo. And, and, and Dom cuts his whole promo, does his thing. And at the end, he's like, you know, because that's how things are in the DeMarco family. And I didn't know he was going to say it because I'm, you know, there. <laughs> and just the biggest smile on my face because it's like, you know, he was um, probably one of the few people that actually wanted that to happen. And, and it's just, you know, it's, 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 we're, we're in a world and we're in a business where you can get things over and you can do things when you do them the right way and when you're smart about it. And that's who Dom is. And, and I got more stories, too, and we'll save them for future times. But that right there, that moment is one of the reasons why I will always stick with, with Dom Vitale because he's always... You just you meet you know you might meet ten people and walk away from a conversation realizing there's truly something different about one of them and that's that's Dom Dom's the one who there's truly something different and truly something special about and his goal is to bring that something special out of the other nine people you just met so that's why I love Dom so much and that's why you know I would interview Dom every week if I could. I appreciate that, Greg. That means a lot, man, coming from you. And uh, likewise, you're a stand-up guy. Uh, I mean, you've always been up front, and I appreciate that. And I, like I said, I appreciate the continued support and believing in, believing in me and my ability. Always. Always 100%. Dom, thank you. We will do this again soon. And uh, we love you and appreciate you, man. Likewise, you guys. Thank you both for, all three of you guys, for letting me come on your platform. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.